Amen. Hello, everyone. Nice to be with you this evening. Um, I have to admit, it is, it's just very obvious. I'm not very cool, so I actually quite like a good rom-com, um, I will admit it. Um, and if you're watching a romantic comedy, to be honest, you don't really care about anyone apart from the main couple and whether they will actually make it and get together and have a happy ending. Okay. And you watch those kind of films largely because actually you want to disengage from the rest of life, okay? And, you know, life can be hard sometimes, so you absorb yourself in it. Well, I'd like to suggest we have a bit of a romantic comedy on our hands uh, today with Ruth and Boaz, our couple in this story. And what I hope this evening is, I hope that we will get really immersed in this book and come out with some surprises and things that we didn't know. Going to be a little bit interactive tonight, so you will need a Bible in some form, whether on your phone or in the um, a hard one at the back. So you will need one of those, so do grab um, either that or your phone out. And... Um, what I thought we'd do, um, and I hope, I hope you'll forgive me for this, um, but we do kind of need to get a kind of overview of the whole story. And um, I don't know about you, but I've been feeling a bit hot and tired this weekend, and I couldn't really cope with the Bible projects. I love them normally, but they're quite fast-paced and um, quite intense. So I've gone for a kind of film aimed at about four-year-olds. Um, so it's not because not I think you guys are like at that level, but just, just for the fun of it. We're going to watch um, a film aimed at four-year-olds to tell them the story of Ruth and Boaz, just to give us a quick overview this evening of the whole book. And I am going to carry on talking in the microphone, but quietly. I hope this... Is this going to work, Caleb? If I carry on talking, but the room won't hear me, is that right? We hate, because I'm going to try and talk to the people online, because they can't see the video. Um, so I hope this is going to work. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you guys will enjoy the film. And if you are watching online, I'm really sorry. It's going to be a random blank bit of silence, because we don't want to get chucked off streaming by showing something we can't show you. So here we go, video. Okay, if you can hear me online, we're just uh, looking at this silly uh, video to give an overview of the Book of Ruth. The Book of Ruth's an incredible story. And uh, Ruth uh, leaves her hometown and goes to be uh, with her mother-in-law back in Israel. And um, when they go, they don't know what they're returning to. They don't know how they're going to be received Obviously, Naomi had left, and um, yeah, it's um, going to be interesting to see what happens to them. But they head back, and um, they end up working out that they're going to need some food. And so Ruth asks Naomi if she can go and pick wheat in the fields. And she ends up picking wheat in the fields of a man called Boaz. And Boaz ends up being a really distant relative of Naomi. So Naomi gets quite excited because hopefully he's going to look after them and there's this possibility maybe he could marry Ruth. And then as we head into sort of uh, chapter three, um, Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi comes up with a bit of a plan. She says... Um, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose woman you, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes, and then go down to the threshing floor. 
but don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go, uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain file. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. And in the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run away from, you've not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, great, let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he also said, bring me a shawl you're wearing and hold it out. And when she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed a bundle on her. And then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? And then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Ruth said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So then um, what happens next is that Boaz goes into town and he finds the other potential guardian redeemer and sort of sorts out the situation. And basically the guy doesn't want to buy the land, doesn't want to marry um, Ruth. And so Boaz is able to marry Ruth. And then... They get married and God opens uh, her womb and she's able to have a child and she has a son and she gives um, birth to a son and he's named Abed and he becomes the father of Jesse who becomes then the father of King David and then eventually obviously from King David we get to Jesus in the New Testament. Basically, God really looks after both Ruth and Boaz, and we're going to be spending a bit of time this evening in groups looking at their different characters, looking at all their, that we can find out about them, gleaning from them and learning from them and seeing what God is doing in the midst of it all. And so um, you may want to grab a bit of paper and a pen yourself and do a little comparison of Ruth and Boaz. Um, we're still watching the video in the room at the moment, a um, little kids video just to kind of get our heads around the whole story um, and that's almost ending and so we'll be coming back together. Uh, hopefully you can join us in person uh, sometime soon, we love you all though and if you're watching online, God bless you, we've been enjoying some wonderful worship led by Oscar tonight and I hope that you're able to, to worship along with us even if the, the talk's a little bit trickier to follow. Say we are.
getting there with our video. And we'll be coming back together just soon. So why don't you grab that bit of paper and pen? Maybe you can do a comparison with Ruth and Boaz with us as we carry on with our talk. Brilliant. Okay, wonderful. Brilliant. So uh, here we are. Thank you for enduring uh, a children's video, but I quite like them. It's about my level. Um, it's worth us just pointing out just a couple of things. Um, we at the moment in this service are doing some giant steps throughout the whole Bible, trying to get an idea of what's going on throughout the whole of Scripture. And we've seen just recently how God has called his people, how he's liberated his people out of Israel. And now we come to this little book of Ruth. But before we get there, I just want to read a bit from the end of Judges, which is the book that comes just before Ruth in the Bible. And it says this at the very end. It says, at that time, the Israelites left the place they were in. They went home to their tribes and clans, each to his own inheritance. And in those days, Israel had no king. And everyone did as they saw fit. So we're in a time in their history where they've had some judges to kind of help them. Um, but basically, it's a little bit um, everyone for their own self, a little bit lawless in some ways. Everyone's doing whatever they want to do. They're just doing their own thing, whatever seems right in their eyes. And so into that, we have this then book of Ruth inserted into our Bibles. And what we discover as we look at this book of Ruth is that we discover that God is still deeply committed to his people even though they're not always committed to him. And we discover within the book of Ruth some people who in turn do commit themselves to God and then we see how God uses them. And what we're going to do this evening just is explore the characters of Ruth and Boaz and see what we find out about them. And I'm going to give you some things in little groups to help explore them, but I'm going to give a little example uh, for us just at the start. So, um, Ruth and Boaz are um, hero and heroine, as it were, of this book. We're going to look at some of the things that are similar about them and some of the things that are different about them and work out what we can learn from God in all the midst of this. So, easy one. Um, Boaz is a man. And Ruth is a woman. You might think, well, yeah, that's quite obvious, Nicola, well done. Um, basically, it's worth pointing this out, though, because we know from what we know of the history of the time that there were things about being a man and a woman which meant things were different for them in society. Say, for example, men could inherit uh, property uh, and land and name and lineage and women couldn't. There's a power imbalance going on. We also know um, that generally uh, men could command more power than women in society, in politics, in uh, leadership, in other spheres. And so things were different for them as a man and a woman at that point in Israel's history. So there's lots of other differences. So we're going to work in some little groups around the room and have a look at a few um, things. So I'm going to just kind of come around and give you something to look at and as a chance to talk in groups. So here we go. Um, James, perhaps you can help me out and give some out to that side of the room. Just 
randomly kind of work in a few groups. Uh, so I know you've not had um, loads of time, but um, just as, and some of you have got bigger bits to read than others, um, so don't worry uh, too much. But I'm going to come around and just sort of glean a little bit of what you've um, what you have been talking about. And uh, if I come near you with the microphone and you really don't want to speak into it, don't worry. Just go like that. I'll, I'll move past you really, really quick. Um, so yeah, so don't worry. Um, but it'd be great to hear from a few people in the room and then we'll sort of tie it together uh, to finish. So, um, I don't know, sorry, guys. Um, should we say what chapter we have? Okay, so we had, um, what do we learn about Ruth and Boaz's characters from chapter three? Um, so, where uh, she goes and uncovers his feet. So, we were saying that Ruth was brave for sort of entering that space. Um, but Boaz was honourable as well. Um, obviously, there was a kindness about Ruth because she wanted to look after her mother-in-law. What else did we say? He was kind as well. Um, and generous and by giving the barley. Yes, generous by giving the barley. Um, I'm sure there was other things, but yeah. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Over here. We were, talk, we were talking about the characters of Ruth and Boaz in chapter 3 and saying how Ruth was um, obedient to Naomi's call, so her obedience led to what resulted, and then Boaz was also quite respectful of her and the tradition. Um, yeah, those are the main themes, I think. Our question was, what do we learn about the economic status of Ruth and Boaz? And we were basically saying that Ruth has no economic status and she doesn't have any money. Um, and as a woman, like that's what they were. And Boaz had money. Um, he would had people working for him and he was rich enough to buy um, Naomi's land and he was able to provide. So, yeah. Um, we were looking at Ruth and Boaz, Boaz in relation to bearing children, comparing chapter one to chapter four. And we thought about how Ruth uh, didn't have any children from her first marriage. But then it says when she marries Boaz, the Lord enabled her to conceive. And the significance of that then in the line of David and then Jesus. Thank you. There we go. We have anything to add. We had the economics. Oh, hello. Feedback. Uh, we had the economic status question. Uh, so I'm not sure we have much to add apart from potentially that um, Naomi's family had lost their wealth, so had experienced more wealth before they lost it. Um, but apart from that, they were poor. He was rich. Brilliant. Thank you. Anyone over here? Say anything? Um. Boaz and Ruth were, um, so the question is, um, Boaz and Ruth from two different nations, how might that have impacted them? Um, I think Boaz was from Bethlehem, where Naomi is from, and she was, and I think he was from a tribe of one of the 12 tribes, and um, Ruth was a Moabite, um, and, you know, they had different cultures, different customs, and her leaving her family and her land to come to um, Bethlehem 
um, was quite difficult because she had to kind of adjust and all. And he was more in a familiar place. So he was able to go around, talk to Naomi's family, see where he can buy land, um, um, buy her land and take over. So it was quite an imbalance for them, but I think it worked out. Brilliant. Um, okay, so we were uh, looking at the leadership qualities um, of both Ruth and Boaz. And um, from the scriptures, uh, Ruth, well, they were going to starve, she and her mother-in-law. So uh, she decided to take the initiative and go collect um, the leftover grain in the fields. And Boaz um, seemed uh, as though he was very successful and a very good leader, uh, very good to his those who he employed. And um, is there anything else we want to add? Or yeah, those are the leadership. Okay, is there anyone else around this side of the room? <laughs> um, we had the question about Ruth and Boaz being from different nations and how it might have impacted them, and believing that um, Boaz being from Ruth being a, a Moabitess and. Um, because they were still able to marry, even though their um, people from Canaan lands and stuff were, were, were forbidden from marrying Israelites. Um, so they still found a, a gateway through. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Anything from you guys? Anything down here? Okay. Brilliant. I'm going to try and um, summarize some of the stuff like really fast. Um, so we just heard uh, that Ruth was um, a non-Jew. So she didn't grow up with the heritage of the faith of, of knowing the one true God. She didn't grow up with that. Um, but Boaz was Jewish. Um, and yeah, they end up coming together, having a successful marriage, even though they're from different nations. And different heritages, different backgrounds, um, different amount of quality in their early life in terms of knowing the one true God that they come together. We've had um, those of you looking at their economic status, essentially uh, recognizing that Ruth is pretty poor. They've come from a land that's from famine. Um, back into Israel, she had no uh, economic sort of status. She had to go and glean um, from the fields. But Boaz, we notice that he's got people working for him. He's got laborers. He's got land. He's got provision. He's got food. So essentially quite rich. The other thing we um, looked at was sort of like their leadership uh, style. Some of the groups kind of had that. And um, we see quite a lot in uh, chapter two in particular how Boaz has um, what we might call first chair leadership, which is basically he is the boss and um, he gets to tell people like what to do. Um, and commands people to do certain jobs for him and has a lot of sort of power and status in that. Whereas with Ruth, we observe something quite different. She has to go in that bit in chapter two and kind of go, uh, we're probably going to starve if I don't do any work, but Naomi, you're the boss. So please 
I take this initiative, but please, can I have permission from you to go and glean in the fields? And essentially, that's what can be called second chair leadership. She's taking a lead, but she's having to do that from second chair. Second chair leadership's a wonderful place to be, but it's a skill as much as first chair leadership. And it's a slightly different thing that has to take place for them, a different way that they're having to operate And then some of the groups you're talking about, like the characters um, that they have, um, and particularly when they encounter each other in chapter three, where essentially Ruth has to be brave. And I would say in this chapter three, she actually takes some of the first chair leadership into her hands. Like, come on, man, you could marry me. I am going to take control of this situation now a little bit and I'm going to come and meet you in the night and have this conversation with you and work this through. But we also see with Boaz him um, showing uh, courage as well to be honourable and respectful, to do things right, to honour her, to not abuse her in that situation um, and to go and do what they needed to do culturally which was to sort out whether they could indeed marry, whether they had the right to do that, whether someone else could come in their place. The other thing we noted was that Ruth, if you were reading chapter one, you'd know that she would be married for 10 years and didn't have a child Now, most people in the culture would have assumed then that she was probably barren and unable to have children, whereas that assumption wouldn't necessarily be made about the men for the right or wrongs of that, but that's the way it was. And so Ruth essentially had had 10 years, and I'm just going to call it empty, an empty womb. But Boaz had the potential, and so I'm just going to put full full of sperm, (laughs) had the potential. Um, And so in this situation, it becomes even more apparent how absolutely incredibly brave she is being to go into a marriage where the whole purpose of the marriage was to produce an heir, knowing that she'd already been married for 10 years and hadn't had a child. And suddenly her levels of courage like take on a whole kind of new level of trusting that God might do something in this situation. And so we have this wonderful point in chapter four where it says God opens her womb, he allows her um, and they get pregnant. And together these two different people come together in different situations and they have a son, Abed. And he becomes the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David, and eventually King David, as we know, is the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. And what's so beautiful about this story is we discover in these characters, in the midst of a time when everyone else was doing whatever they thought was right, two people who come and submit themselves under the rulership of God. And so we get Ruth saying, okay, your God's going to be my God. I submit myself to his kingship. I belong to him. And you get Boaz where he could have taken advantage, where he could have been um, somebody who uh, 
gain for his own benefit, just going, I'm going to humbly, I'm going to walk right before my God. We see this in a few little places with Boaz as well, because we know that he's keeping God's rules by not gleaning the whole of his fields. He actually leaves the bit he's meant to leave for others, the poor, to come and pick and get food. At that time, he may have been one of the few people doing that, sticking to God's rules, living under God's ways. And so we find these two incredible people in their own way, they won't have been perfect, but in their own way, trying to commit back to God. And God looks at them and is like, yes, those are my people. Through them, yes, my line is going to carry on and Jesus is going to come. And there's something about... um, our kind of Christian culture at the moment where sometimes we can celebrate the dramatic stories you know the the person who parted the Red Sea you know that like the person that got to do the great miracle or the person that has the most incredible testimony and we kind of kind of big those things up and they actually we should they're amazing and they're great testimonies of God but can you see that it's just as much a testimony to God when two very ordinary people go I'm going to commit to you and it's through them that God smiles and says I love your faithfulness I love your commitment to me and through your relatively ordinary lives I work wonder and we see this through Boaz and Ruth and I think it is called the book of Ruth For the reason that this was harder, probably, in many ways in society. I wonder sometimes if we were writing it in Chiswick, whether we'd call it the book of Boaz. Because sometimes it can be harder for us that have a lot to commit and be obedient to God. You can tell me what you think it should be called. Book of Ruth, book of Boaz. But these guys commit and I don't know about you um, but there are times when I feel rich and full and like God is there and with me and there's times when I'm over here I'm just totally empty I'm like I feel like I have nothing to offer God I feel like you know my womb is empty I've got nothing to give you God there's nothing within me left and in my Christian walk I know I swing between the two but you know why it doesn't matter Because it doesn't matter what we have to offer. It matters who we're offering to. And that's commitment. It's that we're offering ourselves to him. That he will do through us whatever he wants to. So we stand together as we finish. really the response tonight is just to be able to say Lord thank you that you can work in me and through me no matter whether I'm feeling more like a Ruth or a Boaz tonight and it's thanking him because he can work through us no matter what 
And then it's saying again, God, I'm yours. I commit to you. Work in my life and work through me for good. So why don't you just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit, just ask God what what you want to reassure you of tonight, what he wants to remind you of tonight. Because he knows you by name and he knows every hair on your head. And he delights in you.